would really be pertinent for you guys, you know. Um, and uh, the, the nature of a getaway is really a time where it's um, where we can meet together and have interaction. A lot of there's a lot of one-on-one -on -one and small group times going on here naturally, but. Um, I would like to hear from you guys, not right now, but like, you know, we've already polled you, but if there's something that's on your mind that you would like us to talk about while we're here, then please tell us, me or Pastor Jason or Brian, because um, we just really want this to be a time where you you leave after not only being rested physically, but also just leaving here with some spiritual answers. So um, uh, if you want to just turn with me. Uh, I'm not going to preach long messages here. I'm just going to share some thoughts, and then we can open it up for like a Q&A time. We got uh, we got different pastors here, and uh, I'd like to have a time where we are just have a time with the dads also, maybe a time where we could talk about marriage. Um, I mean, we're all pros at marriage, right? So we don't really need to talk about that much. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. We do need to talk about that. And then maybe just some thoughts about... Uh, vision in our personal life. So if you want to just turn with me to John chapter 10, uh, verse 18, and uh, I just want to start from there. John chapter 10, verse 18. And uh, Jesus here is speaking, and he says, and I'm just going to try to go through the text why it's still light. Um, verse 17 therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again and why does he say that the father loves him for that reason why does, God, why does Jesus say God loves me because I lay down my life and that I might take it up again and what Jesus is saying is, is that Jesus came into this world and we know that the ideal um, image or picture of a man living on the earth is Jesus Christ. Now, if you take a minute with me and compare the first Adam, which was Adam, uh, he lived in a paradise where there was no sin, there was no failure, there, there was no trouble, no marital issues with his wife, Eve. Uh, all the animals were on the same frequency as he was and as they were. Um, I was patting my dog the other day, and you know how when your dog looks at you and you can tell that the dog is looking at you and trusting you, right? That kind of look. And I thought, this is what the way it was with Adam with all the animals. I mean, he had total dominion over the world that he lived in. God gave him that authority over everything. Uh, he, was, he had incredible ability. Um, uh, we know that we only have a very, just a small percentage of our brain that we're using. Some of us less than others. And... <laughs> And, and Adam had 100% of his brain that he could use. Imagine what he was able to do and what he was able to remember. But then think of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Uh, the first Adam was born in a garden. Uh, he was made in a garden. Perfect environment, no sin. And uh, he was loved and there was, um, uh, you know, there was everything that he needed. The second Adam was born without a home. He was born without a place to, you know, lay his head. He was not welcomed. Adam's environment was very welcoming. The second Adam's 
environment, Jesus Christ's environment when he was born, was very hostile. And yet, the first Adam failed in a perfect environment. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, being fully man. Sometimes people say, well, Jesus was God. Well, Jesus also was fully man also. Um, and he was assaulted by every temptation that a, a man can face. Yes, every single temptation a male man can face, Jesus was faced with. Every one. Maybe it's not all documented in the uh, in specific examples in the Gospels, but we, but we do know that in Hebrews chapter 10 that he was tempted in all points, such as we... And so Jesus Christ really is a picture for us of what uh, God intended you and I to be. And Jesus Christ, if you've, if you've received Christ in your heart as your personal Savior, meaning if you've voluntarily said in your personal way, Jesus, you are my Lord, uh, I need to be saved. Save me. I can't save myself. Forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting you for my salvation. If you've done that, then you belong to Christ. You're part of the fold. Jesus did not mandate perfection because Jesus himself completed that but Jesus Christ is for us the new image of who we were created to be and Jesus said I lay down my life um, that I might take it up again meaning that Jesus had everything voluntarily laid it down and uh, and he was going to be raised again on the third day now, the point I want to make is actually in the next verse here uh, and Jesus said um, uh I lay down my life, and in verse 18, no man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. And so Jesus was in, was in complete control of what was happening in his life as a man. And that's a little different than us today, isn't it? Are we in complete control of what's going on in our lives today? Um we may not be, but uh, in Romans chapter 5, it says that we reign in this life by one, Jesus Christ, through the gift of righteousness, through the gift of grace and righteousness. And so God wants us as men to learn how to rule our life uh, with the authority of God. Because here's the thing, we live in a culture that is very anti-male, and uh, we don't, you don't really have to be a rocket scientist to understand that if you turn on the TV and watch The Simpsons or the average commercial about male issues and things like that, you can really see, see that, that we live in a culture that is really trying to um, uh, effeminate men, make men spiritually effeminate and weak like Samson. And the point is, is that Jesus said, no man takes my life from you, I lay it down. And this is important because just for a few minutes, I want to just say a few things, and maybe it's going to stimulate us to think about this, and maybe we could discuss it. But um, you know what happens to us as men? Uh, what can happen to us is at a very young age, we make these decisions that can impact the rest of our life. Maybe they, they are kind of decisions where we make a decision at a young age, and we wind up going to jail, or we get a record, or... Um, you know, our girlfriend gets pregnant or we have kids and we're not, we weren't ready for it or uh, we marry very young and we don't really know what we're doing. And then what can happen is, is over the years, um, we make these good and bad decisions. You know, we come into church, we go to Bible college, 
Um, we just kind of just dedicate our youth to like this amazing life in Bible school and the mission field. And then what could happen is, is that if we're not careful and we're not thinking carefully with God, we can get to a moment 10, 15, 16, 20 years down the road where we're in our 40s and our 50s and we could say, you know what? Four things could happen. I've wasted my youth doing this, whether it was for God or whether it was just living crazy. I've wasted my youth. I've, I've gotten myself locked into something where I can't get out of it, and I've wasted my years. And, and uh, that could happen to a man. He could start to think, okay, I've, I've made these decisions, and now I'm trapped. I'm, I, I'm, I have a family. I have kids, I have a business, I have, you know, I didn't finish college, I went to Bible school, I didn't finish college, I don't have a diploma, or, or whatever, and now I'm kind of in this place in my 40s or 50s, and I'm just, I got a 40 hour, 40 hour week job, I'm not making a lot of money, and I don't have a lot of skills, and I feel really like I haven't really done much with my, with my life. Or maybe someone could be, maybe someone could be in a church where they, you know, at the age of 18, they go to Bible college and they just, they don't go to college or they, you know, they don't uh, take up certain opportunities that present themselves at that young age. They go to Bible school and then they dedicate some years on the mission field. Then they find themselves in their 40s, um, you know, with not with, with, with some things that they're lacking in their life where maybe some of their relatives or friends are really prospering, but, you know... I remember coming from the mission field, and I was 31. I had no credit history. I had like no, I had no like, you know, I had no savings. My wife and I, all of our belongings could fit in eight bags. I mean, we were like just, I mean, we were just spiritual gypsies. That was amazing, and it was so, such an honor that we could do that. And I, I remember coming back home and seeing some of my buddies and friends and, and relatives like had really advanced in their life and gotten a good head start and. There was that moment where I could have passed judgment on my life outside of God's perspective and said, you know what, did I make a mistake? And, you know, as you get older, as you hit those years of 40 and 50 years old, maybe even 60, you could get to a point where you're starting to think, like, did I waste my best years? Another question is, is that are there unrealized dreams? Are there dreams that I had as a young person that never got fulfilled? Number three, I feel trapped in this situation. I feel trapped, like... I'm old now and I'm not married. Who's going to want to marry me, you know? Uh, and number, number four, I have no security. I'm in my 50s and I don't have any security because I, I, I just never thought that was important. And, you know, I don't have any security in my life. And, and, the, and the temptation is to think that, um, you know, that we begin to make past judgment. We, make to make, we begin to make conclusions about our life. Maybe we dedicated our life to God in a church or an organ or an organization where we are not really finding much promotion or recognition, you know? <laughs> I mean, you could be, you know, you could be in your 50s and you're not a pastor or you're not a missionary or you're not an amazing person that you thought you would want to be or you, that you were going to be. And maybe you find yourself very disappointed in your life. And, and at this moment, it's very important that we start to think with God because if we don't, the conclusion will lead us to make a very bad decision, such as exiting my family, exiting my marriage, exiting my church, exiting whatever, exiting my life. And, 
Um, you know, being a pastor in Hatboro has been a very educational process for me, and my church has been very patient with me, and, you know, I've been learning a lot. And one of the things I've learned is, is that, you know, elderly people, I'm, I'm talking about 70 or older, 80, 75 or older, I don't know, what is elderly? I don't know what that means, but people that are much older than I am, they, <laughs> they, they, you know what's important for them? Family, grandkids, you know, great-grandkids, people calling them up, visiting them, getting a card in the mail. And it could be very, it could be very possible that you and I find ourselves, if Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime, we could find ourselves in a place where we gave everything to God. We gave our, all of our, you know, we spent our money, we spent our youth, we spent everything. And maybe even we lost some very valuable relationships. And we could find ourselves like Paul at the end of his life in a jail cell because of his conviction for his life with God. I don't want to make, I don't want to sound pessimistic, but that could happen. And what does Paul do? What does Paul do? He, asso- he assesses his life in, in Acts chapter 26. He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I think that that's so important because when, let me just, let me just read another verse. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3, it says this, that Paul said that it's a very small thing that people judge me. That's what Paul said. It's a very small thing that you Corinthians are judging me because he said, I don't even judge myself. He said, because the Lord is my judge and he will judge me at the la- in, the, in the last day. And I think that that's very important because we as men um, need to understand that uh, when we look at our lives, uh, we have to look at it not, we can't just float through life making impulsive decisions without kind of thinking about where am I going? What's happening? What is God's perfect will for my life? Am I, am I just moving in a direction with no direction? Uh, do I have a vision for my life? Am I in my personal calling? And I, I, I just know. I mean, it's all this. All of us. It's all the same. We all work very hard. We all have jobs. Um, we all have a lot of stress with things that we're dealing with, with work and family and just personal, our own personal things that we're dealing with that nobody knows about, and that all is on us, but we have to really be like like Jesus Christ, and we have to be like understanding the authority that God has given us, that we reign in our life, that we are not the tail, but we're the head. God has not made us, God has not made the male uh, to be the back end of a dog wagging every time he's excited. We are not, and I'm not saying women are that way, I'm just saying that men were um, men were given by God to to be initiators in the kingdom of God. The devil does not want you and I to discover our capacity to initiate in the kingdom of God because a man, however weak he is in his life, discovering the grace of God and that he's called by grace can really do a lot of damage in the kingdom of the devil. Because, um, you know, I remember in Baltimore we had, like a few years ago, we had um, a blackout and it was just for days few days like three days or something and I remember like walking my dog and it was just it was at you know it was like maybe seven o'clock eight o'clock at night and it was just pitch black and we're walking down Norman Ave where my house is and and I was only at the end of the street and my wife had put candles in the windows and there was no lights in the street at all and the only light I could see was the candles in my windows and that was like a good tenth of a mile away and I just remember you know 
thinking that that little flame, which was just, it's so small, you know, and can so easily be, can be so easily quenched, uh, was overcoming the darkness of the whole neighborhood. I could see it from that distance. And so sometimes when you look at your life, um, we are, we can assess it really the wrong way. We could look at like, we could say, look how much darkness that there is. But um, darkness is only as powerful as the absence of light. If you shine the least bit of light, a little flashlight a half a mile away, it can be seen. It overcomes their darkness. And so I just want to like end with this, that um, we cannot judge ourselves. Do not judge yourself, whether good or bad. And I'll explain why, because... Either way, we're going to come out either like with entitlement. Look at all the years I put into this church. Look at all the years I put into this family. Look at all the years I put into this relationship. Look at all the years I put into this corporation or this job. Um, my neighbor in Baltimore, uh, before we moved, worked. He created a department for him. He, de- he created a, de- a, co- a department in his corporation. Very smart guy in his 60s. And young guy, he, when he started, he was really young and just had some ideas and got a department going. And the, and the company gave him an entire department and said, that's such a great idea. I don't remember what it was, but some idea he had come up with and patented it. And, and uh, two years before his retirement, he was fired because a bunch of young guys were coming in to take over um, the department. And uh, that can happen to us. And, but you know what he said to me? He says, I'm not bitter. He said, I'm working on a new idea. And uh, he was a believer. And I just think that, um, that you and I cannot judge ourselves uh, because we're going to either come out with an attitude of entitlement or we're going to come out with an, with an attitude of failure. I failed. And either way is not God's mind. And so when we get to heaven and we stand before the bema seat of Jesus Christ, as a believer, we're not going to be able to stand there and say, look at all the people I led to Christ, which is going to be amazing. That'll be our crown of rejoicing to see them in heaven. We're not going to be able to stand there and say, look at all the churches I planted or all the things I did. The only glory that we'll be able to, the only thing that we'll be able to glory in is, is that at that moment, I am a spirit-filled child of God that is trusting in God for His grace and salvation. And that's what really makes us great because we are only what we are today by the grace of God we we are not what we have done what we have not done or what we have done and I'm saying that because if we if we if you're if you're a gifted guy if you're really gifted and you're a great communicator and we got some great communicators here or a great administrator or a great um very artistic or whatever it is that cannot be our identity because if it becomes our identity, then uh, we're going to walk in, we're going to come into the body of Christ or our relationships or wherever we're at with entitlement, and we're always going to come out um, losing. What is the result of that type of failure mentality or entitlement mentality? Uh, exit. What's my exit strategy? How do I get out of this while there's still time? You know, um, I've still got a few years left, you know. And maybe somebody's feeding you or feeding me this information. Like, you know what? You're a gifted guy. You should do this. You should join this organization. Or you should do that. Or you should just leave your family. Or you should just do that or this. 
because, you know, you deserve it. You ever hear that? You deserve it. As somebody said to me the other day, we were at a pastor's in November. Uh, we were at the pastor's resort there. And someone said to us, they said, you know, you pastors, he wasn't from our church. He was one of the people that worked there, admin people. And he said, you pastors lay down your life so much for other people that you got to sometimes think about yourselves. And it sounded kind of nice. You know, it kind of sounded like, wow. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, but really that is such a, that's not the way we think because when we start thinking that way, then we're going to come to the conclusion that I deserve better when our whole life is a total gift of grace. Amen. I was talking to one missionary and he said, he said, let's think about the, let's talk, let's think about the millennium. He said, let's think about the thousand year reign with Christ. And we're going to look back at this life where all the missed opportunities, all the, all the unrecognized moments where you were not recognized or when you really lost something big and no one knows that you lost that. And when you, when you look back at the millennium, from the millennium back to your life, you're going to be so thankful that you had the right perspective on your life. Uh, do not judge yourself because we are not victims in this life. Jesus was not a victim. Jesus said, I have power to lay my life down. And Pilate said to him, uh, do, you know, do you not know who I am that I, can, that I can just say a command and you could be free? And what was Jesus' response? He said, no, that's not correct. He said, he said, I, you know, he said, I could call a, a 10,000 angels. And so we are really in control in the sense that God has given us authority. And because we have that control and that authority from God and that love from God, we can afford to lose things. We can afford to be gracious. We can afford to minister to people. You know what's the hardest thing? Is to minister to someone, to your wife or someone in your family, and not even get a, not even get a, a thank you, a proper thank you. I'm not saying that that's my situation, but maybe, uh, I guess it, uh, that does happen in all of, all of our I got an amazing wife, but that can happen. You can invest in your church or your Bible study group or, or family member that is very, very needy and never, ever get like a thank you. And what, you know, what does that lead to? Like, you know what? I, I really deserve better. I should just leave this situation. And my friends are telling me that I should get out of this and and my buddy did that, and, and, and everyone's, you know, he's making out okay. And I just want to say that, like, the, the glory in our life is, is, that, is that don't make a judgment about your life from the perspective of what you see. Look at it from the perspective of uh, how powerful your testimony is. And I'll just close with this. Um, you know, in every church, there are people in our churches that really quietly go through things that are never you know they, they don't get the they don't get that the certificate maybe at you know that what is that the the gifts the bookstore gift certificate or maybe they do I don't know but they just seem to never be recognized and it's not done on purpose but it's like God saying this person is revealing so much of my righteousness and my son that this is my treasure and I don't want I this is a secret this person is my secret trophy. And, and um, the glory in the whole thing is that it's hidden. Hollywood's glory is to expose and show everything. God's glory is to hide it and to protect it and to keep. 
and to not and not to let uh, it to be commonly known by familiar people, because and and if we find ourselves in that situation, never judge your life from that perspective. And I, I just want to say too that, um, you know, I'm just so excited about the future of our church and what we're doing here in America and abroad. I, I just think that there's so many more great things that God wants to do with men here. I don't know, maybe you came back from the mission field and you think that things are over. I did my time. Your time may have not even started yet. You know, Moses' time didn't start until he was 80. You know, so I, I, I just want to encourage you tonight that when you look at your life and you're just kind of sitting there with empty hands and you gave it all and you're kind of wondering, did I waste it? Um, look at it like this. It's an absolute amazing privilege that we can do what we're doing, that God has called us, the maker of this universe, God has called us to be involved with something. And the glory of what we do, we can't even see it. God's got to hide it from us because if we're to see a glimpse of it, we'd get so proud and so arrogant. And um, so I just am so excited about, you know, uh, what we're doing in, in the Philadelphia area. I'm thinking about other states. I'm thinking about other places that God could do things. I'm thinking a lot about our young people in our church. We don't have a big church. I mean, we've got a lot of new people, but I'm thinking about young people. I'm thinking about teens, like really tackling them. Pray with us that we can just get our second floor or attic of our church um, just kind of put together. We want to get like a youth center there, just get some like a foosball and air hockey and a pool table and just put together a little youth center there for the community and call it the attic. So anyway, what do you guys think? Do you have some thoughts about that or uh, maybe some, some things that, that were stirred up in your in your mind as, as we were speaking tonight? Yeah. I, uh, thank you for that. Um, you know, I've, all of us could attest about the waste of time. So. 